0: Hey everybody CJ Mauer here and welcome back to another episode of The Fling. We are rolling along in late winter, early spring. The weather's getting nicer. Uh, We're continuing to have some really great conversations with some fun and interesting people. I am super excited today to be joined by uh, Christina Garnett. Christina Garnett actually is a senior marketing manager of something or other, but what's important to know is that uh, she's on the community team for HubSpot. Uh, And anybody who knows me knows that um, HubSpot uh, plays a significant role in my career. Not only is it uh, my CRM and marketing platform of choice, but... Uh, my business is actually also a HubSpot solutions partner, so we help a lot of our clients uh, get set up on HubSpot and leverage it properly. So, um, you know, I'm I'm deeply embedded into the HubSpot community, which is why it's super exciting to be talking to somebody uh, whose role is is designed to uh, really maximize and proliferate the benefits. Of community for HubSpot and everybody in its ecosystem. So, uh, really excited to talk to Christina about this and a variety of things. Uh, First and foremost, Christina, um, thank you so much and welcome. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. This is a great way to start the day. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: It is a great way to start the day. Um, You are in uh, Southwest Virginia, you Mm -hmm.
1: mentioned? Yes.
0: Uh, And you are, so I'm sure the weather, I'm I'm in Buffalo, New York. So, um, you know, I'm in definitely a a colder climate than you. But what I can say is that right now, the weather is really starting to turn. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, up here, we have pretty good, uh, pretty good balance of seasons. But as most people know, the winters are very cold and snowy and gray, and so one of the first signs that spring is coming is the sun's out a lot more often. So, we're uh, really sunny day today. Um, it's high is only going to be like thirty-nine or forty, but now we're moving into fifties and sixties pretty consistently over the next week. So I'm really excited about that. I imagine it's a little warmer down your end, right?
1: A little bit, yeah. We have. Um, I think the only difference is for us is that there's a lot more rain. Like spring means rain in Virginia. <laughs>
0: We'll definitely get our fair share of rain for sure, for sure, especially in April. Um, you know, actually, I, I have um, a sister in Richmond, Virginia, nice. on, the, on the other side of the state, and um, another sister in uh, Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. so close, but I'm not sure she's ever left the district since she moved <laughs> down there 15 years ago. She's uh, somebody who literally probably has never been to Virginia or Maryland. She just stayed right <laughs> in the city. Um but i can i
1: can can appreciate that
0: yeah right it's a great well it's a great city so it is um so real quickly before uh we jump into some stuff we were catching up a little bit we're both uh uh college basketball fans we both have our favorite teams in the tournament mine Mm St. Bonaventure and yours uh, with being Virginia Tech. So uh, spring is coming. The first full day of college basketball starts today. So it's a Friday, you know, at the time of this recording. So a a lot of reasons to be excited, right?
1: Yeah, a lot of good vibes. Falcon and the Winter Soldier starts today too. I'm a big Marvel fan. Lots of good vibes.
0: Nice, nice. I am not a Marvel fan, but I feel like being on Twitter, I feel like I'm missing out because people talk about you know, I finally learned what MCU means. Okay. Um, so now I can understand that, you know, people are referencing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just never really, uh, never really got into it. But um, I do feel like at this point, I feel like I'm kind of missing out. So
1: it's definitely creating this, this universe of storytelling. And also apart from gaming, which I think gaming has some of the best storytelling and in in like marketing industry as a whole, what they're doing by pivoting from theatrical releases into Disney plus drips essentially with these shows Mm -hmm. what you have is you you have this weekly airing show but because it's so story driven it feels like a six seven hour movie that you're getting to watch So you're getting to have all these nuances and story arcs and like just the character development you're able to have When you're telling someone's story over over like 10 nine episodes for like WandaVision versus a two-hour moving movie, it's it's very different, but you you create an even stronger emotional connection.
0: That is that is a fantastic description, especially for somebody who does not have, you know, a lot of familiarity with it. I love your point on story too. You know, story is so interesting, like um you know we both work in marketing obviously and and before i got really into like content and inbound and things like that mm-hmm. um, i had previously uh, worked uh, really more on the branding and advertising side um, i actually like wrote copy for radio and tv campaigns and things like that and uh, brand positioning uh, mm-hmm. strategies and um, so i really became kind of like a nerd about story about um, psychology, behavioral science, and things like that. All, you know, basically amateur level, right? Like, not not trying to compete with like credentialed professionals in those areas, yeah. but, you know, just more of a generalist about like, why do people do the things that they do, right? Mm-hmm. And when you learn about story, um, there's, what's really interesting, what I've always found fascinating about story is, um, it is so compelling, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter, it may manifest itself in different ways on different platforms, but so, Story is, is it has such a deep connection to the human experience, mm-hmm. um, and there's really only a couple of types of of story frameworks, mm-hmm. right? That are just told in a variety of different ways with yeah. different characters. It is such a timeless thing. It resonates with everybody, and it's mm-hmm. just really really powerful. Uh, so I've always appreciated that about about story.
1: Mm-hmm. Now it's really powerful, and I think as we talk about community later too, there's all there's also this idea of ritual. And so whether Disney's doing it on purpose or not, they've they've revitalized TGIF. They've revitalized every Friday. The Marvel fans are going to be prepped to watch this specific show episode that's going to come out because they don't want to be spoiled. They want to be able to talk to others. They want to be able to. And then like YouTube has this influx of this is what the ending means. And here's the Easter eggs you need to know about. And so yeah. what they're doing is this, this weekly drip which which we which were somehow like we've evolved to the point over 2020 that we stopped there was a there was an article um it was like halfway through wandavision and i'm a massive elizabeth olsen fan and i love scarlet witch and i i love that whole show so i'm i'm ready to like fight slander but they were talking about how it was short because a lot of the beginning episodes were like 30 minutes long and that um it wasn't, it wasn't right for the consumer because they had to wait a week and we're just like, this is TV. Like this was what TV was before streaming. It wasn't that long ago. You're acting like they're going against the customer experience when what they're doing is they had a show about sitcoms air the way sitcoms would air where you had to wait a week where it was only 30 minutes where um, you had you didn't have the ability to binge unless you were watching reruns too. And so it just... For whatever reason, it was just so striking. And also like comic books. You don't get all the comic books at once unless you're unless they're like older and that story's already been told. Otherwise, you have to wait for the next for the next one to come out. You mm. have to wait for that next edition. So it's like they're using storytelling from a from a sitcom and comic book perspective, but because it's not quote unquote bingeable yet, it goes against the customer experience. No, what it's doing is it's it's recreating that ritual where you have to wait, where it gives us. Like it, we have to be patient, but also because of that, there's a week long amount of content that then is created about like, what do you think is going to happen in the next episode? What are your fan theories? What do you think that Easter egg meant? What do you think that commercial meant? What do you think they're going to do next? How do you think this will show up? Who's going to be the cameo? Is Dr. Strange going to show up? None of that would have happened either. If they had, if they had binged it, they would have basically seen one week of everyone talking about WandaVision and then it would have been up instead of nine weeks talking Mm -hmm. about it having a ritual with everyone and then they keep it going because they had the week off where they did the documentary and then we go straight into falcon winter soldier and then we go straight into loki so they're creating this every friday what are you doing on friday i'm watching marvel
0: yeah i mean you just brought it up unsolicited
1: Mm -hmm. i
0: mean you're you're it's you're demonstrating what they're doing Mm -hmm. i think that's such a great point i love it i love it right Mm -hmm um i love how it flies in the face of what it has now become conventional wisdom which is um you know everything all at once on demand or bust um and obviously we understand why that's preferable but um you know when you have a good story and when you have a good product uh, you know it's actually kind of funny because i'm a big sports fan and um this is i think about sometimes why the nfl has become as popular as it as it is and you know handful of decades ago, it was just one of like the big four where you had baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. And, um, you know, baseball was kind of always our national pastime and maybe that was the most popular, but over time, NFL now is definitely the most popular sport in the country. And I, sometimes I think about why that is. And one of the reasons why I think, um, is actually, um, uh, exclusivity and, and ritual, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, Baseball, basket. When you're in season, baseball, basketball, and hockey, there's games on almost every night, right? So almost any time you can watch a game, which is cool, but that means any night is is less special. Football, yep. you have to wait a week. It's Sunday, right? Yep. So it's, it's
1: extremely only- ritualistic. Extremely. Have- have- then you the have your costume and, uh, and your tailgate. Like you have a lucky hat there's you may not shave right college football same
0: thing right on saturdays yep um right so
1: tailgate like game starts at two but they're in the parking lot at eight yep like it's extremely ritualistic but those rituals create a participation touch point yes so you as a fan you get to be a part of this ecosystem because here are the behaviors and here's the rituals you're going to do and like, and we see this with college football games. Like, there's certain games where they have to wear a certain color. We're all gonna wear like at Virginia Tech, it's like maroon everything. You'll just wear maroon or you'll do orange. Some teams, um, like like the whiteout games at Penn State, like if mm-hmm. you have these very clear participation rituals where it's it's not enough to be here, it's you're gonna be here and you're gonna have a chant. There's gonna be a song you sing, there's gonna be like specific cheers on like a third down versus a mm-hmm. first down it's all about that ritual because that that creates a moment for the audience to become the part of the community where they're no longer standing on the sidelines they're now stepping in and they're participating they're a part of it they like um Texas a like 12th man they talk mm-hmm. about like you're loud and you're raucous and you're gonna you're gonna make sure that like no one can hear audibles because you're so loud you get to be you get to play a role in how that game is played especially if it's in the favor of your team because of how yell, how loud you yelled or how, yeah. how you anticipated it's definitely it's definitely important
0: it's this is who we are yep right and it's i mean that just you you, you think about like well how does that work how, how do you just get you know, 70,000 people to wear a white shirt or whatever it is. Right. But like at the end of the day, um, one, it's just for fun. But Mm -hmm. I think what really drives it is like, we love people. We love to belong. We love to belong. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's deeply rooted in, and you could probably expand upon this. You know (laughs) more about this than I do, but, um, uh, you know, I've learned that, you know, I don't know, however many years ago, eons ago, right, Uh, early humans had to belong because um, survival depended on, you know, being part of the pack or the tribe, right? We all pooled together, shared resources, collect food, fended ourselves from, you know, bears and, and other animals, right? And so, like... The idea of being ostracized meant a threat to your survival so it it is like hardwired into our DNA to want to belong and obviously now that manifests itself in different ways Mm -hmm. right Um, we don't really fear for our our actual survival but Mm -hmm. um, you know I've heard somebody said that like when you get nervous Mm -hmm. um, speaking in front of an audience Mm -hmm. it's because humans in our DNA Mm -hmm where whenever they had to speak in front of a large audience, it was to advocate for themselves to not be ostracized from the group. Maybe they did something bad or something and there's almost like they were put on trial. So it's like this, this like very innate um, connection to actually like fending for your survival. And that's why people, that's why people get scared speaking in front of people, which is like really, really crazy but at the end of the day right these are all of the underpinnings for why i think businesses would be smart to mm-hmm. you know invest or just yeah. really foster community because mm-hmm. everybody wins it's it's just it's baked into our dna
1: completely agree that that sense of belongingness is so crucial and like you said it may not be like a mortality survival thing but it's definitely an emotional survival tactic i mean if we look at Everything that we encountered last year with 2020, where we were cut off from like the normal communication norms we had, we weren't able to have the physicality that we used to because you basically have to lock yourself in your home and have your bubble and like, here are the places I can go and here's the people I can see and here's the things I can and can't do. And so we wound up trying to find that same physicality and connection online because you don't have to wear a mask through Zoom. Like we're actually able to talk to each other, connect there, that... It's the closest thing to intimacy a lot of us have um, apart from the people who are in our our normal day life that live in our house or our apartment. So you have this need to be able to connect more than ever. And what you're going to see is you need to foster community, but you also need to understand that that community doesn't just live online because there's going to be people who, if they're focused on, I just need this to live here on this one place online, it's going to be hard when we're able to open up again and we're able to go to conferences and we're able to do things so it's you're creating this community ecosystem that's what you're really doing here's here's where they connect online here's their home online here's and then how can we use that to facilitate in-person things so do you have an events calendar in your in your own community where they're able to see like here are the things that are coming up here's meetings that you can go to here's meetups just like you don't have to go to a workshop. You just want to have drinks with someone who has something in common with you. And like, we're all going to meet here. Cause I think that's the thing too, is what you're going to see is you're going to see this influx of people meeting on meeting in person, but it's going to have less structure because we need less structure. Cause it's not about knowledge sharing at that point. We can do the knowledge sharing online. Like I can, I can like spread my my stream of consciousness all over Twitter all day long. But when it comes to, like, meeting in person, I just want to hug someone and get them a drink and just be like, how, yeah. do want? how be are you together. doing? just be yeah. together. Just be together.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, um, there's, I mean, you are uh, a community leader on one of the most prominent B2B brands that I know of. And we haven't even talked about that yet. Yeah. So, but I want, so I want to ask you about that before we do. um uh, why don't you explain how you got to from wherever you started? Like, how did yeah. you get to? I am one of the community leaders for HubSpot, which is you know such a large and and prominently growing uh, business. Yeah. So tell me how you got. Tell people how you got there. I want I want people to be inspired by your story.
1: Yeah. Um. So I've been a I've been a massive fangirl of HubSpot for years. I open openly confess that I wouldn't be a marketer today if it wasn't for HubSpot Academy. I haven't I was an English major in college. I taught math for five years. I have a very nonlinear career path. Um, when I met my husband, the first like two weeks we were dating, he said that I should go into marketing because I would fix things. I would deconstruct, I'm a deconstructionist at heart. I break things, optimize, put back together and kind of like put back into the universe. And so I would fix commercials, I would fix um anything I saw, like literally anything. I'd be like, if this color choice would be better, that wording's not right, I would do this, I would change that music. I just immediately started fixing things and didn't really think anything of it at the time because I was I was a teacher and I was like no this is good I'm fine this is where I'm supposed to be and um, I I often joke that I'm a teacher who just left the classroom because so much of what I like to do is learning more about others and then helping to educate and for me I just instead of educating students I truly believe in giving back to the industry. And I think one of the best ways, if you truly love an industry, one of the best ways to invest in it is to prepare the future the, the future use. Make sure that the budding students, the people who are just starting out and have questions who don't know anything, it's very easy to come from a place of I know it all and like, let me share, But thats but no one knows it all. We're literally all coming, like we're all learning as we go. Things are changing all the time. Like marketing school couldn't have prepared you for last year. Like they could teach you PR crisis. They could teach you how to read a room, but they're not going to prep you for what like a year of a pandemic is like and all the good and bad that comes with it and all the the changes in user need that are going to come with that too. A lot of it's going to be living in those trenches, learning how to adapt, reading the room and understanding like, and just listening. I think that's, I think that's such a lost art is social listening, but also just listening in conversations. So many times we wait to respond. So we're not really listening. I was just
0: going to say, um, I've caught myself in that so often. It's something I've gotten a little bit better, but I still need to get better. Sometimes I just wait for my turn to respond instead of really really listening and it's it's usually not because I'm not interested in what that other person is saying or because I think what I have to say is necessarily more important but it's a fear of maybe not being able to like I like sometimes I get scared that I'm not gonna have a worthwhile response or I'm not gonna be able to like keep up in the conversation Uh, but what I found is that when I can focus on like okay just just don't worry about your response and just listen that actually you you actually become a better conversationalist in one-on-one conversations and then broader listening probably is some of the things that you're alluding to
1: oh absolutely and i think i think that once we get to that place where we're focused on i just want to learn more about you i don't want to judge and i don't want to i don't want to immediately quote tweet basically on twitter as so many people are ready to share their opinion from like a gut reaction instead of like, what is, what is this person actually trying to say? I think Mm -hmm. a lot of the, I think a lot of the arguments on Twitter is because people are trying to correct what they think you were saying, not what you were actually saying. And I think, I think that's led to a lot of issues, but getting back to HubSpot, um, I've, I feel like I've orbited HubSpot for most of my career. I found HubSpot Academy. HubSpot Academy was the first initial marketing knowledge I had. I took the inbound certification and absolutely fell in love. It made so much sense to me. It felt like common sense where it's just like, that's how my brain works. And I think that what we're doing with the community now is an extension of that. The community has been there. We have hugs, um, the HubSpot user groups, and we have fans online. Um, what I, I feel blessed because I feel like I get to be a fan of the fans where I get to be in a position where I get to learn from the fans. What do they love? What do they wish was different? If they could make anything, if they could like wave a magic wand and add a new feature, what would that feature be? Um, finding out what they love about the product, how we can empower them to be, to be a better voice for themselves. Does that mean they get to make YouTube videos or does it mean that they want to write a blog? But having someone that's there to be like i see you and and that's the thing too is hubspot is customer first and you can see it in everything they do but you can also see it in the people that are attracted to them as well like the hubspot leaders that i see the the partners the hug leaders they're all some of the most giving people i've ever met they they can't wait to share and enable and empower others and it's just it's just really i feel very blessed that i get to be a part of that
0: me too. And I'm not even as close to it as you are. I mean, I feel very close to it though. Uh, yeah, it's wonderful. It's a really great community. Um, I want to ask you quickly about, cause we met on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you are, I, I, with the last couple months, I really discovered, you know, hashtag marketing Twitter and marketing <laughs> yeah. Twitter is another really great community. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you said, um, when you when you use the analogy about about like not immediately just like quote tweeting everything and your opinions and listening, um, you know I, I immediately connected that to Twitter, which is where I met you and and you know I've I've followed a bunch of people and um, some people have followed me and um, there's that that's another really great community where um, people come in with the right attitudes mm-hmm. they're there to learn and help and collaborate. Yeah. Um, you know what how what what's been your uh, experience with uh, marketing twitter and watching it grow and and why do you think that's a that's a great community
1: no I, I love marketing twitter i love the people there um i think that we've all kind of collectively because there were there were marketing groups on twitter before last year they've been there for years there's been pockets of people who talk to each other i've been friends with a lot of marketers the, the whole time that i've been on twitter um, but what I think really happened was you saw a community, you saw a whole industry break, basically. You saw people burning out, people getting laid off, people leaving their jobs just because like burning out was worse than not having a safety net and having to having to save themselves. You You saw people fleeing, people deciding whether or not they wanted to pivot completely and say like, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do. There's no joy here. So you're right. seeing you're seeing these massive, hard conversations happening while at the same time you're seeing people break and saying, you know what, I can't hold. And I wrote a couple of pieces last year too about like how social media managers are gonna survive because you're seeing the worst of the internet at the same time. It's a 24 hour job, no matter what they say because you're having to respond to people, you're having to deal with the next crisis. And also last year, think about it, we were seeing seeing breaking news items. Like you could have six or seven a day that on a normal year, you'd probably see over the course of like three months, but we're having to deal with it in one day, having to figure out like, do we go dark? Do we respond? Do we act like nothing's happening? How do how do we handle that? I think one blessing of that is the content calendar being like completely perfect and scheduled and ready to go has been like burned and trashed. And yeah, that's when you a very think about a lot positive. of people,
0: <laughs> when you think about a lot of the people in in social media, like a lot of these people who you know they have their content calendars and you know they're very organized, deliberate, intentional people, right? Mm-hmm. It's part of the, one of the things that makes them good about their job, yep. uh, good at their job, but at the same time, right? Um, there needs to be that flexibility and, yep. and reactiveness. So, um, you know that the the past year did nothing if not if not reinforce that.
1: Yeah, and I think it I think it also proved it also showcased just like a whole different level of agility. You're having to you're having to jump hurdles multiple times a day, things that you never would have perceived. Like last year was the the year of like the onion not seeming like it was a fictional account. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just like I saw this on the Onion a couple years. Like everything was The Simpsons and the Onion predicted this already.
0: So it said you joined. I have your Twitter pulled up here. It says you joined in April 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have eighteen thousand followers. Wow, eighteen thousand followers in just you know five years. That's like like what like I mean. There's probably a lot of people who are like, man, I wish I could, um, you know, have eighteen thousand followers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I have a feeling like I know what you're going to say, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, how did you build up a following like that? Yeah. Uh, you're not, I'm I'm assuming, unless there's something I'm unaware of, you're not like a famous person.
1: Nope, I'm not right? famous at all. So, so <laughs> how, did you,
0: how did you get 18,000 followers in five yeah. years? Where some people have been, like, I've been on since, um, you know, I'm not the most active, but I've been on since 2009 and I don't have, I don't even have 1,000 followers. Yeah. So like, how did you do it?
1: Yeah, um so when I started it was more about sharing um sharing things in, from Roanoke and what I was doing when I was there, I was at the um the Roanoke SBDC. I was a I was a marketing director for them. And so I was sharing things about small business and and using it as more of like a local amplifier and was able to um to connect. And basically what I was using it originally for was like who can I learn from? Who can I, who can I connect with? Um and kind of like learning outside of my specific local realm. So my voice was local, but my intention was to reach out and see the people who were who were working at agencies that I've always wanted to, to learn more about, to 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 connect with the people whose like marketing books I was reading and mm-hmm. who's who's who people I would want to see at a conference. And I when Twitter started, I had no idea how to use it. Like the user culture didn't make sense to me and so my whole thing was like do i just go on here and like talk to celebrities and tell simon peck how much i love him like is that what twitter is like is that how we use this tool and so i wound up working at an art museum and their social media presence um, they had accounts but they weren't really using them regularly and a colleague of mine wanted to do instagram i was like that's fine i'll do twitter and facebook and so what i did was i wound up spending a lot of time in the trenches and started looking at and deconstructing auditing Like whether I realized it or not, figuring out like, these are the kind of conversations that people like, this is the kind of emotions that people connect with versus content that seems really dry. These are the things that are going to work. And so that built it up to a certain point, but what grew my following more than anything else was when I made it about others and not myself. Mm -hmm. When I started amplifying others and started celebrating people who had great ideas, it, it didn't matter that it was, it wasn't my idea and it wasn't my words when i was taking that time to advocate for other people and to make sure their voices were being heard then i became known as a connector and someone who was going to amplify those smaller accounts and that's what that's what grew my account faster than anything else when i wasn't chasing follows and what i was doing instead yeah. was saying how can i use my account to make this industry better So I wanna share the people who are doing great things. I wanna hype up the people who are doing great work, but maybe no one's ever seen them. And the thing with Twitter is, and with any social media like channel really, is that follower count does not dictate value. It just just dictates how many people know you exist. It literally, it it dictates awareness. It does not dictate value. Mm -hmm. So there's tons of accounts that I've seen that have like 530 followers. And they'll write some really great stuff, but no one's seen them and amplified them. So their little circle of awareness are the only people who realize how great they are. So if I get to use my channel to make sure those people get seen, that those people get a blog written, that those people get to speak at a conference, that helps them, but it also helps our industry because that's a point of view that wasn't being heard yet. That's a perspective that we can all utilize that they can share. And so For me, and I think I've seen a lot of people on Twitter do this where a lot of the biggest brand, like not brands, but a lot of the biggest accounts that move really quickly, like they gain a following overnight. It's not magic. It's because someone with a bigger following than them, either a friend, family member, someone Mm -hmm. they're connected to is helping amplify them to give them quick lift. So my thing is like, why can't I do that to everybody? Why can't I do that same momentum and push Mm -hmm. everybody up? And so That turns into like when I did that marketing Twitter tweet, my thing was I woke up one day and my, my thread, like my entire feed was my friends. It was all the marketing people I talked to. I wasn't seeing politics. I wasn't seeing hate. I wasn't seeing anger. I wasn't seeing like the toxic vitriol that we're used Mm -hmm. to seeing when we open up a social media app and we're like, oh my God, why am I here? Mm -hmm. It was the opposite of that. It was a kind place where I get to talk to my friends all day and we can joke and laugh and talk about marketing. And so my thing was, I want to share that. And I want to share this to the people who need it most, which are those people who are doing great work, but maybe no one's heard about them because they don't have a thousand followers or they don't think they're worthy. If you look in that thread, there are so many people who say, I've been lurking I knew this was a thing, but I didn't think I was worthy or I didn't think I was invited or I didn't think I had anything that was worth saying. Mm -hmm. And so for that, that's why I put that 1000 is like, who, who would need an invitation? Who, who are the people who feel other it's because we put so much value on followers instead of how can we lift those up? So if I can lift everybody up, so that follower count is no longer an issue, then we can just have these conversations and Twitter doesn't become like, your value isn't tied to that magical number. What it's tied into is like what you're actually saying and, and providing. Mm-hmm. And, and as the community's grown, it's it's done a lot of things. Like there's, it's, I know that there's people who've, who've made friends, who've gotten jobs because of it, who have yeah. connected with things. So it's, it's done a lot of goodwill. I think though, that I would also tell for anyone who wants a lot of followers, once you pass like a certain threshold, you become a target. It doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you do. Um, there are people who like dunking culture is probably the best way to describe it um and I'm I, budget
0: I, thinking fill in the blank or whatever just like yeah. the snark
1: snark um but what they wind up doing is i saw a couple of people talking about it today i'm not going to name names because i i don't like to do that um but they'll talk about how formulaic marketing twitter is and f- there are some accounts who who are they very much are they figured out what works and they're growth hackers and so they they say, like, if I do this, 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 and I do this, 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 then I'll get tons of engagement and I'll get tons of likes and I'll get tons of followers. And that's true. That's totally true. But the people who are dunking on it are using that as an engagement hack too. You're just yeah. choosing, you're just choosing to engage by dunking and they're in choosing to engage by building. Yeah. So, so my thing is I'm, I'm, I try to be optimistic, but I'm, in, I'm intrinsically cynical. So when I see that my thing is, if you're on Twitter and you're posting at it all, it's an engagement hack because you're you're hoping that whatever you have to say, someone's gonna see and is gonna like and is gonna respond to. If sure. You, if you didn't want people to respond and you didn't want to you didn't want attention, you wouldn't, you'd never post. You, you would have never like post. Yeah, you'd be like an Apple brand account. Like we don't have to post, you'll follow us anyway. Like that kind of deal. Like they don't need to share anything. It's it's very much like that. So my thing would be posting in general, whether you're an individual or a brand, it's an awareness and engagement tactic.
0: Sure. Like
1: if you if you, if you knew that you were going to post and no one was going to do anything, you wouldn't be there. You you wouldn't post at all. So just the activity or the behavior of posting and publishing anything means that you're expecting attention, bare minimum.
0: Yeah. Whether, whether I, you're being I, agree or I agree completely. That's really good. And I'm, I'm glad to hear, like, because I am I am a like deep down, like intrinsically, I'm kind of like a hopeless romantic Mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that I want to be very optimistic about the world and the people in it and everyone's intentions. So uh, it satisfies me to hear you say that, like, I grew a following when I really wasn't caring about. Getting followers, and I just wanted to show up and help and connect and engage, and and then people started following me as a result, and like that is how I want to. That's how I want the world to work. It doesn't always work that way, but it's very encouraging, right? So it's it's really the ultimate self fulfilling prophecy where you know they say pursue money and it evades you, but like you know um, th- that's another thing you want to talk about like value. Just because somebody has a lot of money. Does not exactly mean like that is how much value that they yeah. are worth, right? How yeah. valuable they are as a human. But it is also true that if you can really focus on like adding value to the world, however, however you can, like then money does often find its way to you. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I've, I've found that giving more than you take is the best life hack.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole inbound methodology. I was actually yeah. on somebody else's, Uh, podcast a digital marketing podcast um, that some guy in the UK runs I recorded it yesterday it was really fun Mm -hmm. Um, and we were talking about like viewing relationships as bank accounts like you always have to make a couple deposits before you try and take a withdrawal if you even do right Um, and and that is actually written into the formal marketing strategy Mm -hmm. of um, the last company I worked at where I was Mm -hmm. the director of marketing um, and everybody is just on board. And what was cool about that is that they never really had like advanced marketing leadership when I got there, mm-hmm. but as a company through customer service and mm-hmm. setup, and, you know, they're, they're a company that sells and supports software, mm-hmm. uh, payroll and HR software, right? Like a lot of the things that I was advocating for was already intuitive to them. Like Mm -hmm. right. That was already how they structured a lot of what they would do, specifically from a customer service standpoint. And it was Mm -hmm. a big reason why they had such a high customer retention rate. Um, but it was just never like documented or called to attention or say, okay, Mm -hmm. so all of these things, like these patterns, right, Mm -hmm. the the it's all a result of this core belief. So now we're gonna put this up on a pedestal and we're going to like use this as a benchmark against which uh, we we will evaluate new ideas. Does this align with this central mission, right? And then to use that to to tell the story, right? Mm -hmm. And to really make it part of the brand. And I think that brand, you know, people say brand is, people define brand in a variety of ways. It's a promise or whatever. I I think that's true. I like to refer to brand as behavior because at the end of the day, it's not about what you believe or you say you believe or you talk about. But it's it's really how you act. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, how people know me. Is not influenced by me if I want to be known as an honest person yep. I don't go around telling people how honest I am yeah behave like an honest person would until ultimately they they became to realize yep. you know, they, they came to realize that that about me and I didn't have to have to tell them and so um, I mean if HubSpot wants mm-hmm. to be um, more than just software platform mm-hmm. but you know a powerful community and ecosystem mm-hmm. um, it could do it could do what it's what like bringing you and your team in the fold which is mm-hmm. fostering community uh, mm-hmm. which is which is one of the things I admire about HubSpot I mean they're not mm-hmm. alone but you know they they behave mm-hmm. um, consistently with their values they act mm-hmm. in their beliefs and that's, yep. that's really great so um, before we uh, I mean we could probably talk for hours and hours, but we both have work to do. So before we break, why don't you talk, I know I know, HubSpot is a publicly traded company and you can't go into too much detail mm-hmm. about what you're doing on the community right. side there, mm-hmm. um, but why don't you, like a lot, of, I think a lot of people who uh, might be watching and listening this, and mm-hmm. I don't even know because I don't even check the metrics, uh, <laughs> but it's not a ton, right? Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, for, for a lot of people who are watching and listening, like they're probably interested in... Mm -hmm. in HubSpot. So um, uh, why don't you kind of explain um, what you're doing there to the extent that you're able to hear?
1: Absolutely. So I'm focused on offline community and advocacy. So basically, I probably the easiest way to describe my job is a fan of the fans. I'm doing a lot of social listening. I'm figuring out what people love about HubSpot, um, what feedback they have, good and bad, how are they using it to grow better? So much about of uh, HubSpot's charge is is helping businesses grow better. And so how can we how can we utilize that for fans as well? How can we help the fans grow better? How can we provide better resources for them? How can we give them the tools they need? to be even more successful. And so the community team was there before I started, Um, we have an amazing team um, led by Scott Wilder who is incredibly talented and brilliant. And so um, I get to go in there and be a part of his team share this message like you said it it aligns with everything that HubSpot does customer first, we want to make sure that we're giving more than we take we want to make sure that we are um, creating opportunities for them to be successful. And so. my charge is to look and see how we can do that and really celebrate the, the great vocal users of HubSpot where they are, if they're on Twitter or Reddit or LinkedIn or Slack or Discord or YouTube or TikTok. Basically, um, a lot of what I'm doing is identifying those people and, and basically saying like, how can I amplify you? How can I help you? So, Kind of like what I've been doing with marketing Twitter is doing that from like a HubSpot focused thing. So like I said, I, I get to be a fan of the fans, which considering I was a fan before I joined HubSpot, yeah. I feel I feel very blessed that I get to yeah, I get to have that role because there's there's some incredible people that are in the HubSpot community. And I I get to be a part of of making them even more powerful, which is which is really great.
0: I mean, just our our Twitter DM conversation where you're like, hey, I would love to learn more about the resources you find most helpful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just like genuinely asking and um i feel like you know especially now that I, I i'm a business owner and i've been running an agency for a year and a half like most of the people who dm me on um twitter but especially linkedin i don't get a ton mm-hmm. of twitter dms because i'm not super active but um they they're trying to sell me stuff so like so refreshing just to have somebody be like hey i'm curious i'm trying to do this and i'm curious your opinion and realizing that like you're trying to help improve something that's really important to me. So just really, really refreshing. And it's like, I find time to engage, uh, Mm um, with you or people right Mm -hmm. in that context. And, um, I just, I just love, I was just really, uh, drawn to like what your, what your mission is. And like I said, it was just, it was just really refreshing. So I'm really excited to see. I mean, how long you haven't been at HubSpot very long, right?
1: I started in February. So I'm, wow, very, so new. It, I'm right? very new. I'm very new. So I, I
0: knew it was less than a year. I didn't realize it was it was that new. Was um, very
1: new. I hit the ground running.
0: <laughs> that's cool. That's so exciting. Um and I mean I mean, talk about a company that was already pretty used to remote work, right? Like I know obviously they have a lot of people in Boston and a lot of people in Dublin, but you know, when I, when I first started in HubSpot, um, I first started using HubSpot. Mm. I was a user first, like a lot mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. Um, my implementation specialist, I think, was in like Indiana in 2016, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, they. Uh, I, I still think that obviously they had most of their people reporting to the offices. Because mm-hmm. when I would be on these calls, you know, usually people would be in the mm-hmm. office. But, yep. um, but, you know, they still have you know, it's just, it's a great, it's a great place where you can, you mm-hmm. know, remote work is, have you ever no. been to any of the offices yet?
1: I haven't, not yet.
0: No, have you been to Inbound?
1: Yes, I go to Inbound like every year. I spoke in, in um, two years ago.
0: Nice, cool, 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 yeah. Um, I didn't go this year because no one did, but um, I also didn't really like, I wasn't there cause I was, my wife was having a baby. So Aww, congrats. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, Our third and final. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So, but actually I did like, we actually like put on like 15 minutes of, we were in the hospital after she was born. And like um, my wife uses at her company, she works in sales and she uses HubSpot. So Yay, it's a HubSpot family, I love it. It really is, it really is. My my Cam and my CC sent me a a little HubSpot onesie when my daughter was born. It was it was really great. It's on LinkedIn. I I uh, I'll have to share the picture.
1: That's um, awesome. That's precious.
0: Yeah, it's just really great. We watch we watch the like only like 10 or 15 minutes of like the Brian and Darmesh keynote when we were just. Kind oh, of I that.
1: loved it. Then the Fenway. Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah, actually I still, I'd still haven't seen the whole thing, which is really weird for me. Because
1: it's so good. I
0: I went to, That's I, good. it's like one of my favorite, it's, it's always one of my favorite things. And, Same. um, yeah, you, yeah can I miss went,
1: of, you can miss a lot of inbound things. You never miss Darmesh and Brian's right, yeah. at, at inbound, like never, ever, ever.
0: I, I was there. I went there the four years prior. Okay. 18, awesome. 17, 18,
1: 19. Yep.
0: Uh, it's great. It's such a great conference. I love being there. Um, <clears throat> I hope. I don't know. Are they doing it this year or not? Like, I don't know.
1: It's it's digital. You can buy tickets.
0: Oh, it's digital in 2021 again. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Um, I want. I I will definitely attend this year. But I want. I want to go. I want to be there again.
1: Same, yeah. I love, I love like the the annual pilgrimage to Boston.
0: It's great. It's and Boston's a great city. Get always get like an Airbnb and
1: um,
0: you know, growing up in in Connecticut, I was closer to New York City and um, you know, grew up rooting for New York teams and and always gravitated. I was like an hour from New York and Mm -hmm. you know, so as for like whether it be family things or school field trips, we would always like gravitate to New York City. Um, I. I saw so many Broadway plays in middle mm-hmm. school that I did not care about, but would have <laughs> loved to, like now I would appreciate. Yeah. Um, but, so, but also like kind of, you know, also two hours from Boston. So I've been there a couple of times and, um, you know, just really one of those amazing cities. Um, it
1: really, really is. And there's, there's a whole vibe there. Like I've, I've had a lot of people that I've talked into going into inbounds and my, my initial thing is, the my pro- my only thing I make them promise me and you'll understand this. The people who don't haven't been to Inbound want to understand. I tell them, I have to be with you when you go down the escalator for the first time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: When you see the floor for the first time and it's like Disney World for like marketing adults. And you're like, yep, I just, it is. It is. Like, I just, I, I tell them, like, I just want to be with you to see your face. Like, I'm not even looking at the floor. I'm looking at your face while you're going down the escalator because I get to, it's addictive. Like, I get to experience Inbound for the first time all over again with every new person that I get to do. And the only other time I've ever done that is when I took my son, we we took the kids um, a couple of years ago to Harry Potter at Universal Orlando. And I told my husband when he, we, they were about to go into Diagon Alley, I was like, let me go first and let me be able to see my son's face when it opens up because I was like, because I'm paying for this trip and that's my return on investment. Yeah, like, yeah. All of my ROI right there, May I, I need to see it worth every penny
0: that's great i love how you just described it as disney for marketing adults that it
1: is it really
0: is it really it's, oh. is it's so uh and it's it's almost silly to say that but i guess not really like because you know this if it's, you care about your profession you enjoy yeah. it right and this is you but, where... it's
1: people, but it's people who love the same thing you do so like it's, yeah. disney, it's all disney fans and it's all these things they love and then you go to inbound it's all these marketers and salespeople, and it's all these people get to be where they love and it's their tribe. So depending on where you work, you might be, you could be the only marketing person in your team. And so you try to talk about things you're passionate about. And you're like, what is she even saying? You get to go to inbound and it's, it's like, we all have short code for each other. It's like, we all get it. Yes. And so the energy is just excellent. Like I could feed off of the energy at inbound. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really cool striking up a conversation with a stranger, already entering that conversation knowing that you have a lot in common. Yep. right? And there's – like you have a propensity to get along with that person. Yes. You know, um, the amount of people there, the energy is fantastic. Um, you know, the, the Hub Spotness of it all is great too, yeah. right, with – just the vendors. Like mm-hmm. I, I like I, – I always like once or twice um, – while I'm there, I like do a lap around and just like talk to people. And even if it's not something that I'm super interested in, or I'm like, not sure I'm going to buy. I'm just like, tell me about this. Like I want to know, you know what I mean? I love that. Um, you know, so you just, you really just feel like you're at the epicenter of this, of this industry. And, um, again, we all love to belong.
1: Yeah. We all that's true. Love to belong. yeah. And you have, you also have the opportunity for those micro communities. So there's There's all these different like meetups that you can go to. You have different pods that you can go to. So there was, um, I remember one time there was this, this like really sleek white, like couch area. And then there was like swings on the other side. And it was just like, you not only get to belong within this larger group, but you also have these like micro aesthetic communities where you're able to go and kind of pick your own adventure. There's so many things to choose from. You can really just do all of the breakout and keynotes or you could mm. do like some of the spotlights and be able to be able to learn more and also the speakers are fantastic like yeah the speakers are walking on the floor with you i've met so yeah. many of them they'll, they'll like i had um i met ryan fishkin a couple years ago mm. and i brought my copy of Lost and founder just went right up to him after the talk he was super nice signed super
0: it nice him. yeah i ran into him once too i think um yeah yeah just totally super did.
1: nice and um and it just feels like you you get to be in a position where you're you're learning from some of the best thought leaders in the space that are absolutely brilliant that are changing how we how us marketers are doing things or creating the tools that us marketers are going to use in like 5 10 yeah. years and being able to all meet them in one place is just incredibly impactful so yeah it's it's one of my it's one of my favorite things
0: the one thing that i'm a little bit lamenting um, is why i'm excited to go there again is that uh, so 2020 would have been the first year that i would have attended as as a solutions partner partner. so for partner day and things like that and you know so again to make make one more point about um really the value of community i remember noticing how a lot of business owners in a variety of industries maybe have trade groups where they congregate among other business owners in their industry right Mm -hmm. like um you know, in the payroll industries, there's IPPA, Independent Payroll Providers Association. So mm-hmm. minus the ADPs and the paychecks, the publicly traded, all the small, local, regional uh, around the country. And they have a great community and they do like two conferences a year. And mm-hmm. it's really and I spoke from a marketing perspective, like when I was a director of marketing at my previous employer, I spoke there a couple years in a row in Vegas. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I remember thinking like, oh, that's cool that that exists, but like. I don't need to talk to other agency owners. Like I want to, I want to network where the clients are. I want to bring in yeah. business. I want to bring in sales. And now, shoot, like I'm listening to agency podcasts. and yep. You know, joining groups and you know marketing chats on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. Right. And like, um, <clears throat> I'm just so enthralled. Like I'm really realizing it um, mm. uh, from it from a like. It firsthand, hand, the value of just like networking with your industry peers um, at the very beginning of which just not feeling alone. Right. Yeah. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then beyond that, just so much you can learn and you just feel reassured and. Um, it's just it's it's become so valuable for me, and then one of the biggest surprises about a year and a half in is just how much I've leaned on this community of thought leadership among other agency owners. Yeah. Obviously, always marketing professionals, but you know, it's running an agency is hard, and I'm you know mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure a lot of things out in terms of specialization and yep. um, you know how how to deliver services and how to mm-hmm. package them and things like that, and how to constantly improve. So all of these things is just uh marketing is just such a special industry i don't know if if other industries are or aren't like this but mm-hmm. it just seems to be such a giving collaborative industry and i'm just really thankful to have um lucked into this profession for that for that reason alone
1: no absolutely and i think i think it takes i've seen it i've seen it on twitter and i've seen it in other communities too where you get to a point when you realize there's a work, enough work for all of us if we're doing our best and if we're bringing our best work to the table. And as soon as you have that mindset, then you don't see each other as competitors. Like I can be happy for someone else being successful because that wasn't meant to be mine. This is what I want. This is what I'm going for. This is, so what turns into, and what I've really learned, leaned into is I don't see others as competitors. I see who I was yesterday. I need to be better than that. Yeah. I I need to be making better impact than that.
0: Right. You're competing against yourself mostly. I love it. I love it. Especially, too, um, thankfully, I I think unless unless you've started a business before, if it's your first, if your marketing agency, for example, to bring it back to that, Mm -hmm. is the first business you've ever started, Mm -hmm. um, especially in this industry, you have a propensity to say yes to everything in the beginning. Yes. I am thankful that that phase only lasted about six to nine months for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now I've quickly identified the things that I wanna be doing and I don't wanna be doing. And now when I see other people doing things, I'm just like, yes, I am so glad that they are doing that and not me because I do not wanna be doing that, right? And in order for me to have a successful business, a profitable business where everybody can um, work hard, do good work, be paid well, right? And not you know be totally burnt out. We have to really focus in on the things that we do really well and do that over and over again and not be distracted by things that you could do to make an extra buck, but like, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so that becomes really reassuring as well. And so now I'm, um, I'm actually like in the process of forging partnerships with would-be competitors um, to do things that, you know what I mean, that can str- add more value to my client without us having to do it. And yep. you know, everybody wins that way too. And that's, and that's really good. Um, mm-hmm. And I think important, I think every agency will eventually get there. Cause you can't really, you can't scale being all things to all people. It is just, unless you one day, maybe if you become a giant company mm-hmm. and that you have, you can figure out ways uh, to departmentalize that, but geez, uh, it just feels, it just feels so exhausting.
1: So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh,
0: 100%. So Christina, um, if somebody is interested in you in HubSpot and marketing Twitter and whatever. Uh, where where should they go find you and look you up?
1: Absolutely. So I'm that Christina G on Twitter. I also have blogs on Medium, and you can just search Christina Garnett on LinkedIn. And um, feel free to dot me a DM if you want to talk.
0: Absolutely, definitely follow her on Twitter. That at that Christina G. I've been following her for a while now. Um, really great. The not just the stuff that you share but um to your point the the other voices that that you uh, amplify uh which is really great if you're in the marketing you're in the hubspot you're in the community uh Christina Garnett is absolutely a person to follow so um Christina thank you again for coming on i we could have talked for so much longer <laughs> but you know we all have things to do i really, really appreciate your time um uh let's hope that um the Bonnie's beat LSU and that yep. the Hokies uh beat Florida today yep. and um the weekend just gets even better. So Absolutely. thanks Absolutely.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: All right, take care.
1: You too.